With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders, brought to you by Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. And get this, if you don't turn a profit this week, Jock Market is running back their first market guarantee to cover your losses in week three or week four, depending on the copy. But download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out Jock Market, J-O-C-K-M-K-T dot com and use the promo code GRINDERS. That's all one word, GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, joined by the man behind the dials of advanced sports analytics, it's Stuart Gibson. 
Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, today's show, this week's show, because your favorite team is actually in uh, in in a in a game that has a total of fifty plus. So, uh, so uh, it may it may be one of those. It may be a brown slate, Stewart. It may be one. Yeah, I've got. I'm look. I, I've been a little kind of behind uh, behind this week on getting things set up, but the Browns are looking decent. Um, I, I, it's weird. I probably is a week that I should be particularly high on them, but uh, not like not the highest, uh, not my not my highest kind of Browns uh, uh, just personal score. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to the week. I. I, I feel like last couple of weeks I, I like have done some things well and then just done, done some things not well. I don't know, like um, just kind of looking through before the show, some of my exposures from the previous week. And um, it's like, you know, the, the, the biggest kind of most commonly owned quarterback receiver stack that I had was Herbert Williams. Like to me, I just feel like I should have made so much money. Uh, you know, I barely turned a profit. Uh, cause I had a lot of Tyree kill. I had a lot of Tyler Lockett, um, you know, ha- had my fair share of Cooper cup, but it just like, I don't know. So, so I, I, I hope though, in, in kind of the week before I had a lot of like, uh, Brady on that big week. So I'm, I'm hoping that one of these weeks I'm going to kind of break through. And, uh, it, it seems like some of my better lineups have been getting sunk by, by a weak spot or two, uh, even around kind of good, uh, stacks. So I don't know, maybe, maybe the show, between the stacks, we also need to kind of talk about uh, potential secondary stacks, potential one-off spots, because that seems to be uh, where I've been getting hung up, uh, certainly last week and, and, and the week before, uh, to, to a lesser extent. Well, that's why DFS is about lineups and not players, because I've been in the same boat where, you know, you get every part of the lineup is good except for one, but with the payout structures for these GPPs, as top-heavy as they are, like coming in a hundred and fourth place is not much different than coming in a thousand and fourth place. So like having Lockett over Metcalf is just consigned you to a, you know, a three X payout versus a 30 X payout. So, I mean, that, that that's normal, Stuart. I mean, you kind of have to get everything right in your lineup, but that's why we talk, we, we talk about the high total games because they correlate the most to, uh, to, High ceiling scores for for all the combined players uh, together in your lineup. We got five high total games uh, this week, over 50. And we'll start with uh, the highest of them all. That is the Chiefs at the Eagles. 54 and a half total. It opened at 55. The Chiefs are a seven-point road favorite. Chiefs with a 30.75 implied total. Eagles with a 23.75 implied total. And if I go to lineup HQ and take a look at some of the ownership, uh, <coughs> none of uh, sickening. Yeah, it's sick. It's sickening. I mean, we see <laughs> no. this. We see this most weeks because of the the that it's so price prohibitive to play the Chiefs. The ownership is is lower than you would think. Uh, we have Tyreek Hill at eight percent, Ch eight percent, Kelsey seven percent. The Eagles virtually unowned, uh, you know, Mahomes, Hurts. I mean, we always talk about playing Mahomes, Hills, Kelsey. Doesn't doesn't leave you much to do with the rest of your lineup. But uh, do you see playing single stacks, Mahomes plus Hill or Kelsey? Do we see playing the reverse? 
the cheaper way to do this game would be to play Hertz plus Jalen Rager or something. Maybe throw in a Goddard or an Hertz, maybe Devonta Smith. Hertz, I don't mind single stacking because he has value uh, rushing. And do you, do we is do you think it would be better if you were to stack this game to do it on the Hertz side and then just play one of Hill or Kelsey, or do we just play Ceh as a one off and hope he has kind of a repeat performance from last week? Yeah, my my preference would be to stack from the Philadelphia side. Um, Man, I mean, uh, you get yourself in, tr- or at least so far this year, have gotten yourself in trouble saying, uh, "Well, it's it's price prohibitive to kind of stack up the big uh, Kansas City double stack." Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, we're not projecting the ownership terribly high for, uh, you know, Kelsey. We have pretty low ownership compared to where he's been at at previous weeks. Um, and Tyreek Hill, you know, not, not massive ownership, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the, uh, the value of Hertz. I think he's like a really strong value play this week and just the ownership. I, I think, you know, Mahomes is going to be likely to get higher ownership. Uh, Hertz does feel like a guy that, and, and I think like the games, you know, Kansas city, they're, they're going to be pretty pass heavy regardless of, of game scenario. But um, you know, I do, I think prefer to kind of play like, hurts in catch-up mode against uh you know a relatively i mean a a susceptible kansas city defense to me uh just between ownership price uh the likely game script my my preference would be to stack from the philadelphia side and uh i don't know i mean philadelphia we kind of talk about as a team that's tough to figure out who's going to benefit but like kansas city has been a little bit that way recently i mean i i had a lot of tyreek hill last week and that that, that hurts you, you know, Kelsey didn't have a big week. It was kind of McCall Hardman and CEH. Um, so I don't know, like conventionally you think of Kansas city as being pretty tight and Philadelphia being more spread out. But I, I think both of these teams have kind of some, some uh, dispersion risk. Uh, I, my, and if that's the case, you know, I think my preference is going to be with the uh, higher value, lower ownership, uh, I think, you know, the game script might favor Philadelphia a little bit more. So that would be how I would prefer to attack it. Uh, you know, if you're building many lineups, probably just a healthy mix of Kelsey or uh, Hill on the bring back. Uh, you know, I, I think CEH yeah, could be a fine spot to return to uh, as well as Hardman. But I, I think probably preferring to build through one of Hill or Kelsey uh, on the opposite side and, yeah, Rieger to me stands out as like the preferred uh, Philly option, but I, I give him only a slight edge over, say, like Devonta Smith. Uh, to me, those guys feel like kind of more like there's just better ceilings on on, on those guys than say like Goddard and Ertz. Um, that that would be my lean. I don't know is that how you're seeing it or these well, on, on DraftKings, I see Rieger being slightly better than Devonta Smith just due to the one thousand salary savings yeah. that you get. I mean, or uh, Smith in our current projections is projected about a point and a half higher, but you're paying a thousand more for it. But I mean, if you have the money, you have the money. I mean, if you, if you're going to correlate, I mean, those to me, those are the two guys that you do it with, but I'm less likely to play Hertz with both of them. Right. I mean, we, we've seen Hertz enough for the, since last year. Uh, do you have any, any correlation stats? I mean, I obviously with Devonta Smith, we, you're not going to see much because we only have this year. But how correlated is Hertz to his receivers when he's double stacked versus single stacked? I mean, my intuitive sense is that 
because of his rushing upside and his uh, you know goal line usage that single stacks would be better correlative to ceilings for all for the two players than for the three players but maybe maybe i'm wrong i mean it, could, it also could be that the, the philadelphia spreads the ball around that it's hard for any of the wide receivers that is ceiling like as of last year but i mean they're cheap enough like if i want to play hurts plus rager plus Ertz. Doesn't feel like I'm giving up that much because Ertz is 3,500 and Rager is 4,700. Uh, I mean, do, does do, do the do the stats back me back me up on this? Yeah. So yeah, the the Hertz to kind of receiver correlation is is pretty neutral. Uh, you know, ranging from po- uh, slight positive to actually slight negative. With like, I'm looking at last year going with Rieger, Goddard, and like Travis Fulgham, uh, who I don't even think is on the team anymore, but I think kind of served at points as like a wide receiver one. And yeah, I mean, negative correlation with uh, slight negative correlation with Goddard and Fulgham, slight positive correlation with Rieger last year. Um, I'm looking at Hertz versus Rieger and it really seems like the performance of Hertz had kind of no directional impact on the performance of Rieger. I think you could make the case that it's somewhat of a different role um, for Rieger. Like this year we do have kind of the, let's see, I guess it was opening weekend against Atlanta where, you know, he put up like a 17 point game, not a huge game uh, in in conjunction with Hertz's uh, nearly 29 point game. Um, yeah, Goddard, Goddard and Hertz kind of no uh, slight negative correlation. Uh, I'm not sure. Hertz hardly played it all last year, so I'm not even sure we have that many data. Well, not hardly, but, you know, yeah. So it, it does, I'm kind of seeing a trend of just like neutral correlations uh, between Hertz and his receivers. Um, so so yeah, what, with, what, what that would suggest is that the correlation having them stacked doesn't really do you any good or bad that if they're, if you had a choice between playing, uh, if you between Zach Ertz at thirty five hundred, and another tight end that project the same projection and the same price, like it wouldn't matter either way if you played Ertz or you played a guy, a guy from another game like that. That to, I'm yeah. trying to like kind of narrow it down to like when we see neutral level types of correlations, typically you should side on just play the best rejected player in that slot and don't worry about uh, adding the, the, the double stack or anything for those types of situations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the double, the, some of the teams that I think really stand out as great double stacking opportunities are these teams with strong, uh, obviously quarterback to receiver correlation. That is, that's pretty standard, but also like, like we saw last year, the uh, woods and cup had surprisingly high uh, positive correlation. Cause that, that the, the way that, Rams team was operated last year uh they were they were very I guess uh they're very game script dependent you know there would be games where the Rams would be kind of winning and in a favorable game script I guess for the running backs uh and kind of Woods Cup would fail simultaneously uh conversely like when the Rams were behind they, they skewed really pass heavy uh and kind of Woods and Cup stood an elevated chance of simultaneously succeeding uh, not sure that I'm seeing like super high positive correlation with, uh, these Philly receivers. Like if I look back to Fulgham Rieger and Goddard back to last year and kind of what we have from this year, 
slight positive or positive correlation between Rieger and Fulgham, but small sample size. And like Fulgham had kind of a weird role last year where like there were a few weeks where he was like wide receiver one. And then some weeks where he kind of went back to like wide receiver two or three slight positive correlation, Rieger Ertz. Um, but it's not Rieger enough. Got, to, it's not enough yeah. to really write home about. I mean, we're not right. Like that. This is, this is, we're kind of just throwing it up in the air going, you can, you can't. It's really, really doesn't matter. And talking about, Woods and Cup, the next game on our docket is the Cardinals at the Rams, 54 total. It opened at 53 and a half. It's up a half a point. The Rams are now favored by four and a half. Rams with a 29.25 implied total. The Cardinals with a 24.75 implied total. Looking at lineup HQ, we got Woods and Cup at double digit ownership. Everyone else kind of single digit and below uh, based on these projections and the correlation that you, that you'd say uh, I think last week, the Stafford Woods cup type of stack Higby, even if you want to throw in was uh, was one of the most popular on the entire slate against the bucks, but there's going to be a game that actually eclipses this game. I think that stack is going to be lower owned this week as compared to last week. But now Cooper Cup is 7,800. Woods' price has gone down. Uh, Henderson, I just got word on Twitter that he will be playing. Arizona, these receivers, they keep on getting priced up and up. Uh, they spread the ball around. Hopkins, is he still the wide receiver one at 7,700? We, we don't know. I, know. I know he was hurt last week and still played. Uh, it seems like I like the Ram side of this game. I like Kyler Murray as a quarterback for a ceiling, but would you just keep it simple, soup, stupid, and kind of like, to me, I almost feel like I'd play one of Woods and Cup with Higby and then run it back with like a a Chase Edmonds or something or an A.J. Green at 4,500 if I'm going to do something like that because I'm not sure if I could trust $7,700 Hopkins and uh, and Rondell Moore at 4,600, playing 20% of the snaps. Christian Kirk, 5,300. Yeah, he's, he's shown some light this year. It seems like these Cardinals wide receivers, like they don't project well for their prices. But I kind of, I mean, the, the best ones that we have at, in our gridiron IQ projections are Woods, Cup, and Edmonds. So do you have anything opposed to, I mean, Edmonds is a pass catch and running back. Like what? What just keep it simple, stupid, right? Stafford plus double stack Stafford. He's the type of quarterback that obviously leads to double stacking. And then you play like like a cheap either Edmonds or one of the cheaper receivers on the way back and, and call it a day. Yeah, it does uh does seem like kind of uh an obvious stack. We we have kind of just meh grades on really both sides of this sides of this game, like not not bad, not great. Um I don't know. To me, it would be a game I think I'd prefer to just take like uh, skill player pieces from and just do like a, an internal stack of say like you know cup uh, cup Edmonds or cup Kirk uh, Kirk Kirk Higby Kirk Woods. Um, Kirk Kirk is kind of the guy that's standing out to me on the Atlanta side. I know I kind of mentioned his his name multiple times. Um, that that would that would probably be be my approach. I mean, I just I think Stafford is again going to be the most popular quarterback, and I think by a pretty 
wide margin. Uh, of course, that that played well uh, last week, but with the price on kind of all these Los Angeles guys climbing up a little bit, um, I, you know, I, I am never super excited about playing like the most popular uh, stack on the slate. Uh, and, and, you know, of course there's good value. I, th I think on both sides, um, I guess I'm just hesitant to kind of load up on the uh, most popular quarterback receiver combination, which I think, again, I don't think this with... is going to be it though, Stuart. I think this, this won't be it. You don't, you don't think so? Be. No, uh, Carolina Dallas is going to be the most popular game on the slate. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see more, more Prescott and more Darnold than we'll see Stafford. I still think Woods and Cup will be owned. I mean, I still think they're going to be owned. But what intrigues me this game is that if Woods and Cup are going to be in the double digits, Daryl Henderson is coming back. And I think a lot of people are under the assumption that he's going to come back and split with Michelle. But we saw before Henderson was on the field like 90 plus percent of the time. Do we take a shot on Henderson at 5,600 at three and a half percent owned as leverage against Woods and Cup and kind of hope that, I mean, obviously he could get there on efficiency. If he only sees 60% of the snaps and gets two touchdowns, like we'll take that also. But it's quite possible that, you know, if Henderson's going to see 90% of the snaps in a game where the Rams are almost, almost have a 30 implied team total, with Woods and Cup being owned, like it's quite possible he should be 6,800 and doesn't seem like many people are going to play him. Yeah, that, that would seem to make sense. You know, good, uh, good leverage situation. Um, yeah. But I don't know uh, what you have projected for Michelle's workload. Um, yeah, we have, we have a high workload on Michelle, which to me seems a bit high and might have to go back in and kind of, uh, fiddle around with that i mean i think if healthy i think i think we might be split like we might be kind of uh taking a middling stance on henderson due to uncertainty around his injury um but you have but I, you have to admit that obviously as a gpp player i like taking advantage of uncertainty but it's more likely henderson is 5600 michelle is 5200 like it's more likely that that like michelle only has downside at that price while Henderson has upside at his price. If Henderson was 6,700 right here, I'd say, don't worry. I mean, he's priced for if he was going to play 80, 90% of the snaps as it is. But there's going to be a lot of like 5K, 6K running backs that are going to be more owned than Henderson. Uh, it could, it, he could, I mean, it would, it wouldn't shock me if he walked into 80% of the snaps again and there's upside at that price. But I don't think, I don't think most projections around the industry. I think they're going to give Michelle more like 30, 35% rushing share and snap share. And that's going to make Henderson not project horribly, but not project well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, so do you think we'll, we'll, uh, will we get the injury news before uh, lock on Henderson or uh, is that I'm kind assuming of gonna... so. I, I just saw on Twitter yeah. that he, that the Sean McVay says he's going to play. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, that doesn't matter how much he's going to play. That, that didn't say that. I don't think I saw that, but yeah, sure. But he should, he should play. I mean, we, we've gotten some news today, Friday with the Titans, with the giants cook is still listed as questionable. So we, we still got news out, but, uh, but the next game we got no news. Okay. We got Eli Mitchell news, I guess. 
Uh, the next game on the docket is the, the Seahawks at the 49ers. The, the, it's a 52 total. It opened at 52 and a half. The 49ers are two and a half point favorites. San Francisco with a 27.25 implied team total. The Seahawks with a 24.75 implied team total. And I take a look at ownership. And outside of Debo, Debo Samuel, 13%. Carson, 9.6%. Lockett and Metcalf, 7 and 6%. This game for its total seems pretty under-owned. I mean, is, is this the time? Uh, I'm very hesitant to play this game from the 49ers side with, with you know, Lance. So, you know, I, I, I don't want a quarterback that's only going to play a half, right? Or only play, uh, not play all the snaps. But to me, like, why can't I play Wilson plus Lockett or Metcalf and run it back with, like, Kittle or Samuel? And the ownership of this game just, I mean, if you thought of the Niners and the Seahawks, you would think of, oh, two teams that would, would want to run the ball. But this total doesn't suggest that. I mean, a 52 total, like, why, why aren't we taking why, – why aren't, why aren't we doing – some type of Wilson lineup. And if we're not going to do that, even guys like Carson and Mitchell project decent enough that, and they're going to be single digit owned. I, I, to me, out of all the high total games, this is the one that's the most lost amongst them. Yeah. That, that has kind of been my sentiment towards Seattle for, for really the first three weeks and it has yet to pay off. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm ready to, to give up kind of on uh, the, this Seattle uh, Seattle stack. I think you go Metcalf or Lockett. Uh, I, I think you could throw in like a Freddie Swain uh, if you want. And, uh, but, but I, you know, I think it's, it's one of the games, one of the sides that you could single stack comfortably. There are good, uh, there are of course good options, you know, on the San Francisco side to, to bring back. Uh, Samuel, looks looks appealing and projects super well the ownership should be yeah relatively high um but i don't know i th- i think with like wilson wilson in particular i think he's just a quarterback that one of the premier quarterbacks that's going to get uh overlooked and uh you know the ownership on metcalf should be yeah i mean i, I don't know none, none of these seattle guys are pulling much ownership um so i, I think even like taking a relatively high owned debo uh, is, you know, reasonable. I mean, sometimes you have to take a, a kind of a high on guy here and there. But he's not uh, that high on me. 13% on the context of the slate is not, to me, that's not chalk, right? right Especially right, right. if you're pairing it with single digit on guys in the stack. Like, what do I care? I mean, we yeah. see, we're going to see other guys that are closer to 20% on, 22% on. So it's like 13, you know, Samuel is a one-off. Okay, that's another story. But Samuel paired with a seven, eight percent on DK Metcalf, or you know, I mean, even Ayuk at five K is intriguing. Like I know his role has been like back and forth, but I mean, he 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 only has upside at five thousand, right? I mean, yeah. I, I I just think in general for for these projections at this ownership, like this 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 game shouldn't be as low owned as it is compared to compared to the other higher total games. I agree. Seattle's kind of been that way, like, like all year. Well, not necessarily. Uh, Metcalf has been owned. I mean, Lockett was owned. I mean, Lockett had that big game, and then he was still owned. I think as one, I think, I think it's more likely that Lockett and Metcalf are more likely to be like, like one off 
but not like Russell Wilson is still could have come in at under 5% on. Like, I still think you're going to see the receivers. I think you're going to see Samuel as a one-off. I think you're going to see Kittle as a one-off. Carson, Eli Mitchell, I think all these guys are like one-offs. Yeah, I mean, they'll still be low-owned there also. But I think as the stack playing like a three plus one, even if you throw in a Disley or something at tight end, because I think Everett may not play. Uh, I just think that that combination, using all of them together, uh, are, are less likely to be owned. Yeah, yeah. Wilson feels like kind of the pivotal piece that uh, gives you leverage against like you said though they're not like super chalky they're not expected to be super chalky guys but uh he he does feel like kind of the the, the piece that makes that combination kind of more more different than i guess uh what a lot of the field's going to do on the other side of the game i mean are you even considering garoppolo not really i mean like you said it, it feels like you know there's kind of half uh, like half of a game potential in there um the the ceiling on garoppolo doesn't feel super high um so no, he he's not uh not a guy i'm likely to have much uh if any of okay next game on the docket the most popular game on the slate it's the carolina panthers at the dallas cowboys 51 and a half total it's up one and a half since open the cowboys are four point favorites 27.75 applied total for the cowboys 23.75 for the Panthers. Take a look at line of HQ for ownership. Amari Cooper, 19%. DJ Moore, 19%. Dalton Schultz, 13%. Zeke Elliott, 11%. CeeDee Lamb, 10%. Chuba Hubbard, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, 9%. Uh, any combination of how you make this stack uh, is, is going to be owned, whether you do it from the Darnold side or the Prescott side. Uh, the, the one main thing uh, in this is uh, I think the best leverage play on the entire slate may be Robbie Anderson at 5,100%. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I, I, I really like the Carolina side um, and building like around Terrace Marshall to me seems like the, like just a good, good value, I think might go kind of under owned as a lot of people are going to gravitate towards DJ Moore uh, Hubbard on the Carolina side. And I, I'm with you that Robbie Anderson probably doesn't have like the strongest projection, but um, from a value standpoint, but it is just going to have significantly lower ownership than more. Uh, so, so I do kind of like a, like Darnold Marshall Anderson, CD lamb uh, build is you're just kind of, it's not like it's going to be kind of a, uh, uh, you know, super, super levered uh, uh, build, but I think you're avoiding kind of the most uh, most popular pieces in like Cooper, um, DJ Moore, and still getting good exposure to a game that, I mean, I, like, look, there is, there is good value. Um, but yeah, I think my preference would be through the Carolina side and trying to avoid like the, uh, just the high ownership landmines of like, you know, Hubbard, Moore, uh, and going with some of these cheaper, uh, lower-owned receivers? Uh, two things. One, uh, if you're not going to play this, these stacks, obviously Zeke and Chuba as the running backs could be played as a one-off and be leveraged off the passing games. But what are your thoughts on these guys in the receiving game being one-offs? Would you be more or less likely to play Cooper or more as a one-off 
Like how correlated are they to Prescott and Darnold to have like big games? Like, cause the main problem with playing high owned one-offs is that like if, if Amari Cooper has a 35 point game, most likely the most likely it's the Prescott Cooper more lineup beats whatever you have around Amari Cooper. So uh, is there, is there a strong enough correlation there that I see where well, I'm looking for strong correlation. So I know whether or not to not play them as one-offs like, right. Cause we looked before with the Eagles. It's like, okay, these guys don't really matter that much when compared to, to Jalen hurts, but how correlated, how much stronger correlated are is the quarterback ceilings and the opposing offense ceilings to these two wide receivers. And that's how I would determine on whether or not I'm more or less likely to play them as a one-off. I, I hope you understand what, what I'm asking. Yeah. I, I guess it, it sounds like you're maybe insinuating that like these expensive guys, like more uh, Cooper and even, you know, Cooper and lamb, I think, you know, are both uh, in the same camp of, it's just like for, for them to pray for them to pay off their price point, like, you know, Lamb and Moore in particular, for them to pay off their price point, they have to have a very explosive game. Uh, I think also just like their styles are kind of, um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like kind of the, the guys who like quick, quick hitter, like, uh, you know, high reception guys actually are the type that are less correlated to their quarterback. Like I would say like Robbie Anderson, the price, like, you know, his price point is appealing, but for Robbie Anderson to have a big game, he's going to need to catch, you know, one or two long touchdowns, which really have, you know, that like is to me like a highly correlative event. The, the, the type of events that aren't super correlated are like 10 yard, just stacking up, you know, 10 yard receptions. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, I know I, it's, it's a balance, but I mean, but, but the, the, the main thing that I, that I, would want to know is that if if one of the Dallas wide receivers have a big game, is it that strongly correlative with the Carolina receivers also having a big game? Like, like I just yeah. want to know whether or not the stack is more correlative than than it necessarily will be in owned in the contest. It would that's seem what to it me. really comes down to these one-off wide receivers that are going to be popular in stacks. Like, can they go off and be the only piece of the entire game? that makes value in a lower scoring game where you don't need the stack. But if you tell me that when Amari Cooper puts up 30 plus fantasy points, the game typically goes 70 plus points total. Like then it makes no sense really for me to play Cooper as a one-off with at least a, I, at least a secondary correlation with some other side of the game in that case. Yeah. It would seem to me that like Robbie Anderson's, the one guy who could kind of have a big game and just at his price point with his uh, you know, it just takes like one big play for him to hit value and really hit a ceiling that's useful in tournaments. He, to me, seems like the one guy that could stand out as like a one-off that could get there and otherwise underperforming game. But for the most part, it does feel like for Cooper, Moore, Lamb, uh, at their price points, just with how they kind of uh, how they accumulate fantasy points, it seems like their ceiling outcome is likely tied to an overall positive game environment that stands to benefit other players in the game. Uh, 
that, that would be my my interpretation of it. Is that kind of how you see it? Right, right. I mean, I'm, I think I'm more likely to, if I'm playing one of those guys, I'm playing, a, I'm playing at least the secondary correlation, if not the whole stack. Right. And if I'm not, then I just don't have them in my lineup at all. Okay, yeah. Last game on the docket, your favorite game, even though it's technically not. <laughs> Anytime the Browns are part of our high total teams, I'm going to point it out. It is the Browns <laughs> at the Vikings, 51 and a half total. That's uh, that's down one point since open. The Browns are a two-point favorite on the road. 26.75 implied team total for the Browns. 24.75 for the Vikings. Uh, we currently have Cook at 13% ownership, but I'm not sure if that's going to hold because with all this question on whether or not he's going to play, he's 8,100. So, I mean, he would be he would be a good play, but we, we don't know yet. He's still listed as questionable. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ, 11%. Uh, then we got Justin uh, Jefferson and Thielen, eight and seven percent. Chubb and Hunter, three or four percent, and then the rest is like barely there. Uh, these seem like two teams that would rather this similar to Seattle and and San Francisco, two teams that in their historically would rather run the ball, but it's it's a fifty one and a half total. Cleveland is throwing the ball more than they they have been. Minnesota has been throwing the ball more than have been. Uh, what's wrong with uh, Minnesota, you know, double stack with the OBJ bring back here? I mean, to me, that seems like the most obvious way to go. I mean, if you don't want to play Justin Jefferson and Thielen together at their prices, you throw in a Conklin or an Osborne or something. Uh, you could, If you do it from the other way, you know, Mayfield OBJ plus Hooper, or something you could even play Kareem Hunt. I mean, you could even play Kareem Hunt uh with Mayfield. Uh I know you you like stacking the Browns. This is the perfect instance where the Browns are favored and it and the receiver actually has is better projected than their two running backs. Yeah, I guess like I I like I like Mayfield. I just I don't know what to do with these Cleveland pass catchers. You know, it OBJ, seems just single stack with OBJ. I mean, yeah. to me, that's the most straightforward. No Landry. They got really nothing else going. Like, why not OBJ at fifty eight hundred and just don't worry about don't worry about the set. That's why I said throw in a Hooper. At least fill a tight end spot or something. But then don't worry about if it's going to be Anthony Schwartz or 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 uh, Peoples Jones or they're going to throw it to four different tight ends. Just like. But I th- I still think that the better way to stack this game is on the Cousins side. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of hung up uh, like on the the Cousins price to me feels uh, pretty expensive. Um, Sixty four hundred isn't that bad. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not like he's not kind of top tier price range. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like it's a tough matchup. Cleveland applies a lot of pressure. Um, don't don't have a great score uh on 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 the minnesota side um i i I suppose my preference would be to to be kind of with with mayfield and like obj i just i you know these these tight ends like uh just these cleveland tight ends that are kind of just like just absorb kind of at random like so much uh not so much but like a a significant kind of target share away from some of the Cleveland receivers that, you know, you would kind of naturally want to stack with Mayfield. Um, stack with both the tight ends, do that build. I'm just kidding. You should not yeah, do yeah, right, dude, yeah. uh, Mayfield plus Hooper <laughs> plus Njoku and fill up your flex spot. Do not do that. Uh, I, I yeah, do not yeah. suggest that. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think Cleveland's like a fine, uh, they have kind of like a fine score for us, but not like exceptional. Uh, I think my preference would be towards really some of the sides we discussed, like Philadelphia, Carolina, Seattle, uh, like Buffalo, even although I think Allen's going to be very highly owned. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see kind of if that changes as, as the week progress, you know, I still have to, uh, you know, up, update some ownership projections and, uh, you know, move some things around. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think Cleveland could, Cleveland could move up, um, in, in our, in our projections, but right now they're kind of just, uh, middling and in like inside the top, inside the top, like third, but kind of outside the top quarter quartile of, uh, teams from a stacking standpoint okay now that we finished the the higher total games 50 plus now we're going to look at any games that interest you underneath that uh since brandon isn't here we'll still we'll go by, by our plus and our minus so a game that is going under owned that's under 50 point under 50 total that that you like and a game that's going over owned that you do, don't like as much as maybe the field does so is is there is there a game that that's st- there's one game that stands out to me as a plus. I I, I don't know if you, you you'd agree with me. So what's your plus? Yeah, I mean I, I'm intrigued by Washington uh, at Atlanta. I think it's just a a you know good good spot for uh, the Washington side. You know McLaurin I think has as good a ceiling as any of the receivers uh, in the league. And uh, you know Heineke I think is going to absorb next to next to no ownership. Uh, that that would be like one that I would pencil in uh as a plus um that's the one that i got Stu. that's that's nice that's literally that's literally the one that i I looked at this and i and looking at the projections like you have ridley at 7k nine percent owned and then no one there's no one that mike davis may get some ownership at 5100 as a running back pitts i mean to me uh ryan ridley pitts is one side of a stack you could even go heineke mclaurin D, I mean, uh, Curtis Samuel is back. He may play a 3K. Or you throw in Logan Thomas. I just think for the prices and upside of this game, I, I, I think people overrate the Washington defense. Uh, and they also probably overrate the Falcons offense. But uh, this game is but basically it's a game between two bad teams with a 47 and a half total, which means it may go significantly under or it may go significantly over. And based on these ownerships, like even the running backs in the game, I'm not, I mean, Mike Davis, Antonio Gibson, I don't, I don't mind playing either. I mean, I don't get from our, our, our projections in Grinard and IQ, as well as the blitz projections, these guys actually project from a salary adjusted value perspective, comparable to a lot of the other games on the slate. And it's not like this is that low of a total. I mean, it's outside of the games that we talked about. It's the next highest total. It's the next highest total game. It opened at 49. It's now down to 47 and a half. But, but it's the what? It's the sixth highest total game on the slate. And it, to me, it's easy to stack. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't think Gibson's going to be like mega chalk or anything, uh, but should be relatively popular. Um, you know, I think going with some of the Washington pass game uh, could, could be kind of leverage against Gibson McLaurin. I, I think you just got to build through McLaurin uh, if you're going Washington, right? Like there's just not much sense in uh, like, I, I think adding like a Logan Thomas or uh, you know, uh, uh, Curtis Samuel or De'Ami Brown, if Samuel doesn't play adding that on top, I'm okay with, but uh, 
does kind of feel like you have to go go through McLaurin on the Washington side, right? Well, I mean, not necessarily. You could you could just play a cheap Curtis Samuel. You play Logan that Logan Thomas out of the tight end spot. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. But yes, okay. the most likely would be McLaurin. Yes. So I mean, it's it's and it's and it's not price prohibitive. Like even with Ridley, it's not it's you're not even you're not even doing that bad. So no, no, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, as far as games to kind of I have a negative kind of just negative note on. I mean, I I'm not super high on on Los Angeles. I know we've kind of already touched on that. Um, I, there's not like any super high. Um, there's one. There's one game that I think will be overowned. That I don't. I I I'm still wondering why why it is. Okay, let's let's hear it. Detroit Chicago. It is literally the lowest total game on the entire slate. It's 41 yeah. and a half total. It opened at 44. Bears are a two and a half point favorite. And we got, I mean, the running backs are getting the most of the ownership. Montgomery and Swift. Montgomery, 21% ownership. Swift, 15%. But, I mean, we don't know. They're playing mind games on whether or not Dalton or Fields. Most likely Fields starts. But... I've heard I've heard talk about Allen Robinson and Mooney and Field stacks. I mean, we saw hmm. we saw that last week with Fields was played one of the highest owned quarterbacks on the slate, and we have him we have him right now as the third highest owned quarterback on the slate. It's the lowest total game. I know the Lions are bad, but the Bears are bad also. I don't. I just can't see on a thirteen game slate that. The, the Detroit Chicago game is the game that you need to have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, based on your face, when I said the game, I think you weren't even expecting me to say that, Hey, people are looking at this game. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sorting uh, like our kind of our stack grid by, by ownership. And yeah, sure enough, we have Chicago popping up as like seventh, seventh highest kind of average ownership across stacking pieces. And uh, yeah, that, that does seem, I guess, quite high. Yeah. It looks like, some popularity for Mooney Robinson. Um, I don't know that that wasn't a game that kind of have, had ever uh, had ever gotten on the radar for me. Um, but I, I suppose I'm with you if there if there is uh, some popularity behind some of these pieces that that does seem like it'd be a spot to stay away from just uh, yeah, su- super low total. I just it's not really a game environment that has uh, a lot of support. And especially if these guys are going to be, uh, you know, popular at I am inclined to agree with you there. What What are your thoughts on, on the Buffalo? They have the highest team total of anyone on the slate, but they're a 17 point favorite. Uh, a lot of times in these situations, people are going to shy away from playing this because it's like, ah, oh, blowout. Uh, there's no point. Uh, but Allen is going to be one of the most owned quarterbacks. Sanders is picking up ownership at 13%. Diggs is going to be about 10% owned, easily 9%. Like, and there's really the candidates on the other side of the game are you have Brandon Cooks, but I mean he he's gotten up there in price. They're gonna have Davis Mills or whatever at, at, at quarterback. Uh would would you play a chalky Buffalo non-runback stack in, in, in this type of situation? You're more likely to try to get the the Houston good. Houston is a 15-point implied team total. Uh do you think this game is it? Do you think this game is over-owned? Um, 
I, we, we have, we have like a, a pretty good grade on the Buffalo side. I, so like one, I was just looking kind of at our ownership versus, uh, you know, the lineup HQ and we do have a somewhat of a divergence. Like we're, we're expecting Los Angeles to be higher owned than Buffalo. Um, and actually Buffalo to, well, I guess Dallas and LA to be higher owned than Buffalo. Um, on the receive, I think, I think that's primarily because of the, the, the spread of receivership. I think if we, t- if let's say we took out one of Beasley or Sanders, like where we took out dig one of the, cause to pair up Allen, you have three receivers to choose from more so than those other teams where you have two. I think the receipt you're right on the receiver ownership, but I think Josh Allen, like we have Josh Allen at, at like 16% ownership. So it's like, once you, if you took out like stat, like Stafford is like 5%. So like, the combination is like while the receivers of the Rams will be higher owned than any of the receivers of the Bills. Once you put Allen in your lineup, like Allen plus whoever, I think is going to be more owned than Stafford. I think the Rams receivers are more one-off candidates, while the Diggs, Al, Diggs, and and Beasley and Sanders, like that's going to be Allen plus them and not as a one-off. So I I think they're more comparable than the Rams being higher than. I mean I th- I think that's the only reason I think. If, if, if there weren't three receivers to choose from, from the bills, I think it would be, and there were, or there were three receivers to choose from, from the Rams like that, that ownership would spread out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that makes sense. I, I, I think at like the ownership levels we're projecting, I, I'm pretty optimistic on Buffalo. Um, we'll, we'll see kind of as, as the week goes on, if, if there are adjustments that we make that, maybe increase uh, Buffalo ownership. Perhaps we're a bit light on uh, Allen projected ownership as well as the receivers, but at the ownership and kind of the, the numbers that we currently have in our system, we, we've got a pretty decent grade on Buffalo. Um, but do you run it back with cooks? I mean, like what, what do you do on the Texan side or you just don't even worry about, we just go, the Buffalo is going to win 45 to seven and don't even worry about the Texans. My inclination would be to to try to to try to you know run back someone on the Houston side. Um, you know, Cook's price has gotten up a a decent bit, but I I just don't know. Like I to me, like uh, the scenario in which a Buffalo you know double stack succeeds, and like to me, Allen seems like a guy that I would want to try to double stack. Like I just I can't imagine the game supporting two Buffalo pass catchers without someone on the Houston side uh, doing something. But I mean, we saw that with Miami, they just rolled over. I mean, like 38 to seven, I mean like that type of game. I mean, and it's not like Buffalo is the type of team that in the third quarter up by three touchdowns is just going to start running the ball 70% of the time anyway. Yeah, no, they do. They do skew pretty pass heavy. Um, my 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 instincts would say to try to bring back uh, someone on the Houston side. I mean, but outside of Cooks, I don't know that there's really anyone in play. Um, so uh, I don't know. My 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 instinct would be to try to come back with Cooks, um, but it sounds like you see it differently. Yeah, I'm just saying his price is expensive. I mean, just from a like, would I rather have Cooks or would I rather have DJ Moore? I mean, like that, like, like, but that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, wouldn't I rather have the one off? there than play cooks in that spot i th- I think the bills double stack can get there without the tech without needing anyone from the texans i think i'm more likely to play them than without the run back in okay. most lineups i i, yeah. I mean 
to me, it makes the most sense. Is there any other games that uh, we haven't touched on that have any interest for you? Um, Denver Baltimore has some intrigue. Uh, I'm just based off the numbers that I'm looking at. Um, I'm not entirely, I, I consider that one of the worst games. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure where that comes from. That, that doesn't, uh, just on paper doesn't seem super compelling. Like court and Sutland should get a decent amount of ownership. Um, no, I don't know. I, I feel like we, we've kind of touched on them. I, you know, I really like like Carolina, Philadelphia, Seattle, um, Washington is kind of the non premier side that, that looks compelling. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of kind of just really bad, uh, just really bad. I think not teams, but just teams in, in really not compelling situations, you know, Indianapolis, Houston, Detroit, Miami, you know, Pitt, New Orleans, like these, these feel like there's just a, there's just a, a fairly large subset of teams that I feel comfortable just like Xing off completely um, such that it should be fairly tight as far as the kind of stacks uh, that I, that I look to get exposure to. And and you send out your, your little matrix grid and stats on the, the advanced sports analytics sub stack, right. Which, which now you have to pay for. Yeah, right. That's uh, well, I haven't gotten around to drafting it up today, but we'll send that out uh, before the end of the day today. Uh, the grid that I'm kind of looking off of uh, some thoughts around uh, just rationalizing some of the numbers that we're seeing and maybe where uh, where some of the data could be misleading. Uh, we, we try kind of like on the show, try to talk about not only uh, plus spots to target, but also minus spots to be underweight on. I think we this year in particular, we've tried to rather than say like, you know, stacks to play stacks not to play kind of contextualize things as spots to be over spots to be underweight uh on at kind of a player and uh more general team level as well uh so yeah that comes out every friday we'll have that out uh in a few hours here today you go to advanced sports analytics.com to check that out as analytics dfs on twitter and if you're playing on FanDuel, make sure you sign up for the dfs ogs league Sign up there for, for NFL week week four and compete with uh, Beer Makers fan, Head Chopper, and Notorious. Good prize structure. So if you're playing on FanDuel, go there. And uh, and always like and subscribe. I'll wave my thumbs at you until you hit the thummy thumb button. Subscribe if you're new to the channel. And uh, this show is also always on the Roto-Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Podcast feed. So rate and review on iTunes. So for Stuart Gibson... I'm Jordan Cooper, and uh, we'll see you next week on another edition of the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com.